Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Simbox Present. Let's talk boxing with your hosts, Luke and Ewan. Right, hello everyone. Welcome back to Let's Talk Boxing. Um, it's Ewan again instead of Luke, but with Luke's unavailable. So instead, I've enlisted one of Simbox finest, Mr. Bobby Gunn. How are we doing, Bobby? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, very good. Thank you. So uh, it's a busy week. We had a busy week last week, busy week coming up. So uh, I think if we dive right in, I think there's an obvious place to start this week with uh, the WBC, uh, the pack of lovely people that they are, you know, definitely making sensible decisions. So David Benavidez loses his title on the scale. And last night, they vote 36 to 1 that Canelo should take on Avani Yildrim for the WBC title. Let's get some reaction on that, Bobby. It's just disgraceful, isn't it? Really. Um, one, why is Yildrim even there? Two, why is it Canelo when Callum Smith held the diamond belt for as long as he has? Uh, it should be Callum Smith Canelo. I think that's everyone's view. Um, and if it's not Callum Smith Canelo, it should have been. Callum Smith versus Yildrum, in my opinion. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it's an absolute joke that Callum Smith's had his uh, his this WBC Diamond title, and I know we don't give any we don't give any weight to to those titles. But at the same time, surely the person who's issued that title should be the one giving it some sort of weight. And it clearly means nothing to them, the same way it means nothing to us. Because why on earth would you even give it to Callum Smith if you didn't intend to make him mandatory when the mandatory situation came up? I think it's a uh, I think the one person at the WBC who voted against this uh, needs a big pat on the back, but the rest of them need to take a long, hard look at themselves. Yeah, I agree. And it, it just, with Suleiman coming out earlier this week and giving the Povetkin White the diamond belt title or whatever, it just holds no weight after that decision at all. It's like, you thought he was giving it that, so if Fiori goes to fight, if it's Wilder and then if it's Joshua after that, that is a guaranteed shot for the winner of Povetkin White, but it just goes to show it means nothing to anyone. Exactly. It's just every time they make a decision, they degrade themselves in the eyes of boxing fans for me. Every time they make a move to kind of try and legitimise themselves, whether it's franchise championships or silver belts or diamond belts or giving the this shot and that shot for a vacant title, every time they make a decision, I think they devalue themselves to boxing. And I think boxing fans are waking up to that. I agree. I think if you asked... 100 people who the best franchise in boxing is now, I think 99% of them would say the IBF because they are strict. And a lot of, some boxers don't like it, but the, the, to the point, if you if you don't defend, you vacate. And that's the end of this. And the next in line gets it. The WBC are too interested in who the name of the person holding the belt, not the person holding the belt himself and if he's deserved it and if he's earned the right to fight for that belt. Yeah, you mentioned the IBF there. I think there's a really interesting point about the history of the IBF. So the IBF was done criminally for fraud, for doing exactly what the WBA is doing, the WBC even is doing now and making it up as they went along. In the 1980s, they were the most corrupt body and they were basically taken to trial for fraud. And then they had to institute these really strict rules. And now they have kind of, you know, like you say, if you do not defend, you get stripped. And that is harsh. But at the same time, I think the WBC are heading down the route of, of the way the IBF used to be in the 1980s and early 90s. Yeah, I agree. I, I didn't actually know that about the IBF, to be honest, Ewan. But um, yeah, that's obviously the reason why they have become stricter. But it's just better organised. And I wouldn't be surprised in the next 10 years if we see what's happened in the UFC for a, a genuine belt to come along that takes all the best fighters and gives 50-50 fights 
and says you're either fight for it and this is the number one belt because all the franchises at the minute are just they're bowing down to the fighters the big names the money the crowds and it's they don't really care about giving the fans the best fights yeah for fear of staying on this in a kind of negative light for too long I do actually totally agree. I think it's they're kind of blind to anything but the sanctioning fee. You know, all they want is that there's going to be one of their green and gold belts or one of their red and gold belts or whatever on every show the sanctioning bodies now because they want paying off every promoter for every show. They don't actually, they don't actually have the bigger picture of boxing in mind, and I think that that is a really, really dangerous thing. And like you said, the UFC, Dana White, he constantly says for the good of the sport, for the good of the sport, for the good of the sport, and yeah, it's good for his pocket as well. But actually, he does have a long-term vision. I don't think the boxing governing bodies have that long-term vision in the same way. Yeah, I agree with that, 100%. Right, so we'll jump in. Obviously, we've had our rant now. I think we should get to the boxing of, uh, the boxing it, yeah. of, last, of last week. Obviously, we had five fights in uh, Eddie's back garden. What did you think of the show overall, Bobby? I enjoyed it. I've, I've actually enjoyed every single one, if I'm being honest. Um, yeah, the, I, Felix Cash is, is very good. Um, I just like the look of him. Uh, I, I thought Barrett was sloppy. I, I expected a little bit more. It, it, it turned out to be unbelievable knockout and he got the job done. But I think the first few rounds, ring rust, not been in the gyms, it's to be expected. But Donovan's Donovan's better than he's given credit for, to be honest. Better than I'm giving him credit for, to be honest, because he made Barrett poor for the first few rounds. He was elusive. He boxed well. Um, and then the ball Courtney fight was just brilliant, wasn't it? Absolutely. We'll uh, we'll just go for a quick walk through walk through of the uh, of the card, and we'll get some more some slightly more detailed uh, thoughts on each one. But yeah, no, I agree. It's, I love the I do love the fight camp thing. I think it looks it looks like the last couple of hours of a music festival. I love that. I think it's got a real air of theatre about it. But yeah, we started with John Doherty, who's been very highly uh, highly touted um, out of Tony Sims's stable in uh, the Matchroom Gym at Essex. What do you think of the Doc, Bobby? Yeah, he he looked good. Um, I thought it was going to be a a very difficult fight for him, to be honest. I didn't think it would be easy because uh, Anthony Fox can fight. Um, but, yeah, he just... He, 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 he started slow, I'd say. But when he got into his rhythm, he just blasted him out, didn't he? In the yeah, end. I agree. I agree. I thought Fox was a very stern test. And on paper, you know, I was, I was leaning. I was leaning Doherty, I thought. But I thought Fox brought everything he, he was asked to do. You know, he was asked to give him rounds, give him a real test, and I thought he really did. You know what I mean? He was brought in not as a not as a kind of winning fighter, but as somebody who would give Doherty a real stern test at this kind of pivotal point. And I thought he did that. I loved his interview and I loved his haircut. I thought he made the week. Did uh, yeah, Fox. yeah. I thought he really made the, made that first fight some worth watching. Um, and yeah, but you're right. Doherty came through and smashed him to bits in the end. Uh, I think it's all titles from here. I, I don't mind the Lerone Richards fight for him for the British title yeah I'd, I'd, I'd like to see that I think that's that'd be, that'd be a good fight and there's another real 50-50 uh, and I think that at British level we're getting that now I don't know if it's because it's in his back garden and he needs viewers but every fight has pretty much been either a big a step up test or a 50-50 fight pretty much all every week we've been we've had this uh, fight camp I think he's, he's done a really good job of it I think that, you know, the the no easy fight slogan, I think this week, week three that we're talking about now, is the one that's lived up to it the most. Yeah, Because like I, I say, we're, we're talking about the first fight. And like I said, they were both, you know, both came to win. They both looked really competitive. They both kind of gave each other problems. And then, you know, yes, the home fighter won. But it wasn't it wasn't a dead easy night for him. You know, he, he, 
if this was in ordinary times, he could well be bashing bashing a Latvian journeyman at you know five o'clock in the afternoon, you know. But he's not. He's fighting you know a good step up test. I think it's. I think you're right. I think it is. And then speaking of close fights, we move on to Ball Courtney, which, as you mentioned before, was an absolute shocking fight. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was. It was brilliant. Um, it was close, very close. Uh, I I actually had Courtney winning by a round, but it's the. It's not. It was close. It, it could have gone either way. It's what you like. I, I just liked Courtney's head movement. She got inside, and the fact she got dropped in the first round heavy as well, and she came back and it didn't deter the way she fought in any shape or form. She still came forward against the longer reach, slipped inside, landed a lot. Um, it, it's what you like. It's one of them fights, isn't it? and the the knockdown eventually won it, didn't it? One exactly. Fight. Exactly, I totally agree. I think that because I, I, I'm one that tends to watch the boxer, I tend to like that kind of back footwork. Yeah, I think, yeah. I thought Rachel Ball really brought that in, in a look that Courtney's never seen before. But actually, I do want to switch around and talk about Shannon Courtney because there was a lot of questions about her and her heart and her motivations. And I think as a gut check, you know, that could have gone either way. She could have won that fight. A lot of people thought she won that fight. But I think she showed, you know, the things that you can't find, you know, the things that you can't teach in the gym. You know, it wasn't about her jab or a head movement or a footwork or this or that. It was about heart. It was about grit. It was about determination. And it was about willingness to fight. And I think Courtney passed that test, even though she didn't win. I think she passed that test with flying colours. And I think with how kind of shallow the women's divisions are, I don't think this loss sets her back that much. It's a very close decision. And she showed a lot of heart and she will have learned like an infinite amount from this fight in terms of how you get back up from a knockdown, how you deal with adversity. You know, I think she's really passed that test. And I think that actually it's a win-win. I think that Ball moves on to bigger and better things and so does Shannon Courtney. And I think the rematch is a far, far bigger fight. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I, I did see something um, the, the other day and it was just a hypothetical and it was a women's card. And there was the Ball Courtney 2, the... Um, Tasha Jonas. Yeah, Tasha Jonas rematch. The Taylor against... Who was it she was meant to be fighting? Not not Pursuit. The, the one that pulled out... Serrano. Yeah, and then uh, Savannah Marshall against the American girl. He's unbelievable. Clarissa Shields. Yeah, and that and that as a four-fight card would be unbelievable, by the way. That's pay-per-view all day. And it just is, a, 100%. Just a quick shout-out. Simbox will be interviewing Savannah Marshall 6pm on the 20th of August, if you listen to this before then. If not, it's on the Simbox Instagram. So, uh, yeah, we'll move on. Sorry, that's just my plug for my interview tomorrow. Yeah, uh, perfect, yeah. But no worries, we've got uh, Conway Mansuri next. I like the look of uh, Kieran Conway. I've said it since the Cheeseman fight. I really like the look of him, and uh, I thought he was punch perfect. Yeah, I agree. He was brilliant. Um, again, it's it, it was one of them that... Was it a bit too early when, you first, when, when it first came out? Um, but obviously not. He just shot out on it. He was brilliant on the night. I just lost you a little bit there, Bobby. But at the same time, I thought I thought um, I thought Conway was. You know, I thought he was really good. I thought he did everything asked of him. You know, I thought he was big, strong, powerful. Picked his shots well and didn't get hurt. And I thought, but then again, I thought Mansuri was. You know, he had a great chin, showed real heart and determination to to not get stopped in that fight. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, going into the fight, I was, I thought it could have been a little bit too early, but he, he showed me he was just far and away too good for him. He was just brilliant money on the night, and like you said, he was very unlucky against Cheeseman. 
in the draw. It was a draw. Did he got a draw? Didn't he against Cheeseman? He, he got a draw in a fight that I thought he'd won. I thought he won. Yeah, yeah, it drew. But yeah, he, again, another one onto bigger and better things. These so many fights out there for that weight. It's you throw him in with any of them, and he'd, he'd give him a right test. Now, in my opinion. Absolutely, I think that I think that there's so many good fights, 154 pounds at domestic. You know, obviously we've got the likes of Cheeseman, Fowler, Fitzgerald, but somebody who really impressed me on the BT Sports Show a couple of weeks ago was Hamza Shiraz, and I think that's a fantastic fight. Conway Shiraz, I think they're right at the same sort of place. Do you know what I mean? Their careers, young, looking hungry, big, ready for bigger things. I think that's a fantastic fight. The the Shiraz Conway. Yeah, I agree. These and this Troy Williamson, another James great Metcalf. fighter. Yeah, uh, there's some brilliant fighters in that weight. It, it's, it, I'd say it's Britain's most stacked weight right now. Um, and the, in, in terms of, because I think these, they must be seven fighters with the role still. Absolutely. And they're all about the same level. They're all around that British, it, European yeah. level, right on the cusp. And I think that having them all duke it out is such a good idea in terms of, you know, whoever wins that can go on and beat anyone if they want to. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're all between what? 10 and 20 fights, most of them. Obviously, other than Egerton, who's been around the block for a bit, even though he's still so young. But the rest of them, um, yeah, I don't... I, Ted Cheeseman's had about, round about 20, I think. The rest, 15s, 14s. Uh, James Metcalf has had around 20 as well. But they're all... They're all still prospects, though, in my opinion. Because they're all very young, even though they've they've been around the block a little bit, a few of them. They're, they've got so... They've got so much more to give and if like you said if if they get all in together and just have a right shootout between them the winner whoever comes out and prevails on top of that should be able to go into world I totally agree I totally agree but again Kieran Conway if we could just bring it back I think he's a dark horse if we make that tournament I think that I, he's, one, he's one of those that no if, if if you listed all those names that we've listed on a piece of paper and said who's going to win if you, we let them let this lot duke it out Kieran Conway is going to be bottom of that list or near to the bottom of that list, right? But I seriously yeah. think he's, he's got the tools to upset. We saw it against Cheeseman. You know, a lot of people thought he won that fight. He's only improving. I think he's one of those that he's a sleeper name in that 154-pound weight class. And hopefully we get to see those fights. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think he's the one out of them all that noticeably got better each fight you've seen. Like, he, he, was, a, he was better on Saturday than he was even against Cheeseman only, what, six months ago, was it? A year ago? Like, he's noticeably getting better every time he fights. I totally agree. I, I would throw Anthony Fowler in that after week two where he looked fantastic against Adam Harper. I thought Fowler looked much improved under Shane McGuigan. I thought that he's yeah, in I'd the same boat that. in terms of, you know, he, he looked very limited in the Cheeseman, in the Fitzgerald fight. But, you know, he was moving his feet, moving his head, which is something we've not really seen from Fowler before. Yeah, but I'd like to see that against someone who throws hard back because that's that, that for me is not... I, I have always thought Fowler can box, but against Scott Fitzgerald, he got hit hard and thought, right, let's have it then, straight now. Let's go, let's go to war. Um, I, I'd like to see him in with someone that does hit hard, like a Ted Cheeseman, Sam Eggington, and see if he goes back to that brawler sort of... I think he, he could allow himself to box and get caught because he knew it weren't powerful coming back. Yeah, I think that there is, and there is an element of that. He does like a straight. There's a lot of fighters like that where they really like there a straight. Yeah. Sam Eggington for one. Um, well, that's what that's the good thing about them all. Exactly. Yeah, they Cheeseman, all like a... Fitzgerald, Will, Williamson in 
would get with like a straightener, James Metcalf, all of them, every single one of them. Absolutely, it's it's it, there's some absolutely fantastic fights in there to be made. But uh, we'll move on to the other one that you mentioned, which for me was the the bout of the night. You know, it was the one that I've uh, I've remembered, and it was Barrett Donovan. I thought it was a fantastic fight. Yeah, it was. It was a brilliant fight. Um, Donovan was surprisingly, not surprisingly, but he was better than I gave him credit for on the night because I'm a big big Zelfa Barrett fan. Um, and I, I genuinely thought he'd blast through him in three or four. Just, I, I think Zelfa Barrett can be that good. Um, but he, he gave him problems. He he was elusive. He landed when he wanted to land pretty much in the first three, four rounds. But yeah, Barrett's class and power just came through towards the end, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Donovan, he, he, on paper, he was a good test. And I think that people wrote him off just because of how class Zelfa Barrett has looked in his previous fights, and I'm totally guilty of that. I thought that... I'm guilty of that, too, yeah. I thought Barrett was a good... Sometimes you, you, you kind of... Your head rules your... Your heart rules your head a little bit, and you think, oh, the last time I saw Zelfa Barrett, he was fantastic. Therefore, he'll blast Eric Donovan out. Even though you're reading, Eric Donovan's got this brilliant pedigree. He's worked his way up, and that's what he proved. You know, he boxed. He was He's obviously the smaller man coming up from featherweight. I thought he boxed sublimely well, but then what a killer instinct from Zelfa Barrett. He was yeah, so, brilliant. so, so reminiscent of his Uncle Pat with that big left up. Yeah, know? yeah. As soon as you get wobbled, you're going to sleep. Like, as soon as he caught him with one shot, he just turned the pace up and he clicked through one, two, three, four, five gears to a pace that Donovan couldn't keep and with power that Donovan couldn't handle. I thought, I think it's a, almost a shoe in for knockout of the year at this point. It's definitely number one for me so far. Yeah, definitely the best I've seen so far. It's just what a, what a one-punch KO. And, you know, you don't like to wallow, but obviously Eric Donovan wasn't hurt after he was fine. But sometimes yeah. there's, there's a kind of, as boxing fans, we like that kind of, the kind of poetic viciousness. And I think that that left up, what a kind of piece of poet, like poetic violence, if you were. If yeah, you were. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, it was just magnificent to watch, wasn't it? Absolutely fantastic. It's, especially in a close fight. Because if it, if it had let that go to the scores, you don't know what they'd have done. And he got him hurt, like you said, and just went through the gears and landed that. And at them at super featherweight, that sort of weight, it's nice to see them knockouts because you don't see them very often at them weights. You normally see an accumulation knockout. Yeah, so exactly, exactly. To see if... him have that power to do just one punch against a tough fella as well. Yeah, exactly. If the heavyweights do it, you know, if the heavyweights do it against the kind of heavyweight journeyman, it's 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 one thing, but in a really close fight down at Super Feather, you know, it proves your class and it proves that you do have serious power. That's why Inoue is so impressive, isn't it? Because yeah, exactly, he, yeah. he's a tiny, tiny little man who looks like the boy next door, but as soon as you put him in a ring, he's an absolute animal. And hopefully Zelfa Barrett is heading in that direction and he's harnessing his power with his boxing ability to, you know, deliver many more of those for us. Yeah, I agree. Uh, who would you like him in with next, Zelfa? Uh, I'm not sure. It's there's a there's a it's one of those with Zelfa because that was a good performance, but it was a hard fight. He took a lot of punches in that fight, so I don't want him rushed back in. But I don't mind the idea of a of a Martin Joseph Ward or Alex Dilmagani. Maybe I like those fights down at down at Super Feather. We've got a lot of talent in uh, yeah. in that weight class. What about I'd you, like, buddy? I'd, I'd like to see him with Archie Sharp and see see who is the next big one for me. Um, obviously they've got Joe Cordina as well but I think Zelfa Barrett and Archie Sharp would be a, be a cracker we'll do that we'll do this now actually because I, we were going to talk about a little bit just mention Archie Sharp there I didn't think he won on Friday, uh, on Saturday on the Frampton Bill I thought Jeff Afori pipped him 
No, I, I don't. I, I don't. I, I'm I'm a Jeff Afori fan. I watched him in Liverpool, and then I've interviewed him a couple of times, and I really like Jeff. He's a nice guy, hardworking, dedicated, and, and I, I I I'd go as far to say it was a robbery. Personally, uh, I don't. I, I think it was two or three rounds he won it by. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. I, I personally, I, I mentioned the other names because I think they're better. Uh, I think Archie Sharp has got a world of pain in for him if he fights Alpha Barrett now. And that's, I like Archie Sharp as an exciting prospect, but I, I rate uh, Ward and Dil Magani a lot higher at the moment than uh, than Archie Sharp. I think he's not, he's not got the tools to beat Zelfa in. He's not got the tools to make it as competitive fight as maybe even Donovan did. I, I really don't think so. I think he's. I think he's been rushed a little bit with Jeff Afori. I think Afori's got a lot of experience and I thought he didn't win the fight. I think they need to bring him down a little level and, you know, find out where he's at and how fast he's moving because I think it was a bit of a, a bit of a steep slope to climb on uh, on Saturday and I think a Zelf Barrett fight is a far steeper slope than uh, than Jeff Afori. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that could be right. If, if you listen to the horse's mouth, though, he had an off night and he believes if he fights the bigger names and the better names you get a better art shop. So that's one of the reasons I'd like to see him tested with Alpha and say, right, let's, let's see if, if you can back up your talk, you fight a real live opponent who's probably going to be favorite. And let's see, let's see if you are at that level yet. You'd, he's, he's what, he's 20 and all, I think, is he 19, 20 and all by now? In and around there, yeah. Um, when do you move him? Exactly. Yeah. No. It's it's a very very good point, and I think that I think that that fight's great. And if if he wants it, why not? I like it. But at the same time, I just think as a as somebody who does like Archie Sharp, I think it's a bit of a a bit of a raw yeah, deal. Too early. Yeah. Yeah. But then we'll move on to the main event. Cash Wellborn. We talked about Felix Cash a little bit before. Uh, absolutely dominated that fight. Felix Felix Cash. You know, Jason Wellborn wasn't a real middleweight. Kind of didn't really offer very much in uh, fifth round stoppage for Cash. It was just easy, wasn't it? It was just. He just, he just went through the gears when he wanted to, but he just, he just looks like a boxer, doesn't he? Like everything about him, his footwork, his stance, the way he, even the way he walks to the ring, you see him train. He's going to be a star cash, in my opinion. He, he's got everything for me. Yeah, I think I'm going to be slightly less enthusiastic than you in terms of I don't think that Wellborn showed us very much. Like Jason Wellborn, I like Jason Wellborn. He's a proper boxing bloke, but you know he, he, he'd fallen short at junior middleweight, you know, and now he's fighting an up-and-coming middleweight on a lose, and he was on a losing streak, and Cash was on a big winning streak. I think that, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think there's that much to be learned from this fight, but I agree, Cash, he looks the real deal. You know, he's a good-looking lad. You know, he's got Tony Sims in his corner. He knows how to box. Tony Sims mentioned in the week he looked, he's very Darren Barker-esque, and I see that comparison. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. In the yeah. in the way he boxes, you know, he, he's he, he has good footwork, but he doesn't mind a scrap. Um, but yeah, I think that there's, I think there's some a kind of we need a prospect versus prospect fight for Cash now because he can't be fighting gatekeepers like Wellborn forever. But he got through the Cullen one last time, which a lot of people probably had Cullen winning that. It's a very, it's very true. The fight. It's very true. Um, and at that, at that weight, it's these the big boys, isn't there? He's not, he's not too. He's, I think is there's Mark Heffron, um, which would be a brilliant fight. But yeah, I can't really. Other than the the three or four big lads, the Eubank, Smith, Williams, it, where does he go? Uh, other than I, the broad? I, I totally agree. We talked about junior welterweight and how stacked it is. Middleweight is 
junior middleweight and middleweight. Middleweight is far shallower as a division. Yeah. But again, you mentioned Mark Efron. I think that's the perfect fight if they can get Mark Efron over from uh, from Queensbury. But I also like Denzel Bentley. I think Denzel Bentley is the real deal. I really do. Uh, and I think that's a great prospect versus prospect fight as well. But again, there are those names. I think Heffron's the the logical uh, the logical choice. But yeah, Cash he passed his test. You know, he was given Wellborn. There's nothing he can do about that. And then you know, he did exactly what he should have done to Jason Wellborn. And uh, you know, fair play to him. Yeah, but I liked it tactically as well. Like Wellborn's been stopped a lot to the body, and he targeted it. Um, he didn't just go in there reckless, knowing like everyone knew he was going to win that fight. Um, and he didn't just start swinging for defences. He he picked his shots, knew where Wellborn was weak, and just took him apart. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right. It's it's one of those. He did exactly what was asked of him. And I know exactly, I'm, yeah. I, I'm I'm saying Wellborn, but that's not that that is not Felix Cash's fault at all. He did exactly what was asked of him. So yeah, onwards and upwards. But we'll switch the BT card on Saturday. We're gonna leave. Uh, we're gonna leave our boy before we wax lyrical about the uh, the floater fight at the end. We're gonna go uh, go Michael Conlon first. I thought Conlon did very well against uh, Takush. Tuk- Tuk- How do you pronounce that? Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. You've, you've had a better effort than I have. Um, Takush, I think something like that's that. pretty good. It's pretty good. We'll we'll go with that. But uh, I, I liked him. He, he the, the the issue for Conlon is he was never going to do what Warrington did because he's not that sort of fighter. So, if people might look at him and think, oh, it took him 10, and but he just systematically broke him down and beat him. I agree. I don't think there's much takeaway. We all know Michael Conlon's an incredible boxer. Uh, we all know he can do that to people, work them down. And he passed the test. You know, it's a former world title challenger. Granted, he's not the best title challenger, but, you know, he got the stoppage, pushed for it, worked for it, broke him down, showed he could go through the gears. I thought it was good from Conlon. Yeah, I agree. And people forget he's he's very early in his career still. Yeah, he, because he's such a big star, people forget he's he's just, what is he twelve, thirteen deep? It's not had a lot, has he? He's still no. a prospect. But he made you know he made his uh, made his debut with Conor McGregor walking into the ring of MSG. You know he's one of those. That's the point. Yeah, he's lived in the spotlight for so long that we forget that actually he is coming through. And I think for a lad that is twelve, thirteen fights in. You can't ask for anything more. Yeah, I'd agree. So we'll move to Carl Frampton. Obviously, we all know what Carl Frampton does. He had a, a late replacement, uh, Darren Trainer, who was obviously a big lad moving up to lightweight. Obviously, that won't be a, a permanent move up to lightweight. It'll be a junior lightweight take on Herring. But, yeah. you know, pretty pretty routine night for Carl Frampton, I thought. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, uh, the one takeaway from that is if he's as lacklustre as he was in that fight against Herring, he, he's not got a chance. No, he was I, very. He just he, he didn't come in like Carl Frampton comes in and closes the distance. He was he was throwing one shots at a time and he just it ring rushed. He broke both his hands. He's had injuries. I couldn't tell you when his last real fight was. Hopefully, hopefully it's that and not an age thing. But there's only one way to find out when when he gets in with Herring. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not massively confident. If I'm honest, and I'm a massive Frampton fan. Yeah, I, I agree in the hands thing, actually. So, you know, Mickey Duff was famously asked, what do you do about Lloyd Hunnigan's hands? And he says, uh, Lloyd Hunnigan retires. You know, there's no way to fix it. If you've got weak hands, Mayweather, Mayweather hobbled on for years with weak hands, you know, coasting yeah. through decisions and things. For, and I think it, it stank to me of Frampton trying to protect his hands. You know, it was only hitting him to the body. Even when he had him hurt, it didn't go to the head. He was like, I need my hands for the Jamel Herring fight. I want to keep him 
I want to get a win. I want to get a stoppage, but I don't want to break my hands. And that's it rang of that to me. You know, I think as soon as we saw Frampton hurt him, we saw that world-class Kyle Frampton. But up until that point, I thought it was just tippy-tapping him and trying to keep his hands intact. But yeah, I thought the last kind of couple of minutes where he really had him going, I thought, it was vintage Carl Frampton. I think that I think that he does have a. I think I've, I'm going to go for a bigger chance than you against Herring, but it's still an uphill uh, uphill mountain. But yeah, it's good to see him get the ring rust off. Yeah, I'd agree, and uh, I, and I really want him to do well against Herring. Um, Herring's one of them fighters you can't really dislike either. Though, even being the the American fighter against the the well, Irish, but um, yeah. I, I want Frampton to win because I, I, I love Carl Frampton. I don't I don't know a Brit that doesn't really, other than maybe Scott Quigg. But um, yeah, he's he's just a likable guy. But so is Herring. It'll be I'll, I'll be interested to see the build up to that fight as well. So I can't see it being a slagging match. Or I think it'll be a very respectful. But I just hope he's he's the the Carl Frampton of old and not the one we seen on Saturday night. I think you've said everything I was going to say there. You know, two of the good guys, but I can't wait to see it. Yeah. And then we'll move, we'll move on to the the people's main event. Uh, the person who we've both been texting back and forth about, the person who stole the show, I thought, the weekend, Dennis McCann, the menace. Yeah, he's, he's just unbelievable, isn't he? Absolutely he's, fantastic. Like, uh, there was a lot of the Naz comparisons, but he's almost tidier at the level he's at right now. He's not as gung-ho. He's, he's got the Naz style, but he's if he needs to go upright and defend, he will. And Brett Fido is, you just don't stop him. And he did, easily. Exactly. There's, there's an argument that Brett Fido's never been stopped. I know he's been stopped a couple of times, but they've been real sketchy stoppages in small halls, you know. On the yeah. big stage, Brett Fido performs. And, you know, John Peg will tell you he's the toughest man in the business. And Dennis McCann just did an absolute number on him. I, I'm so impressed. He's such a great talker. He's such a great little personality. He's engaging. He's, you know, he's good looking. He's got that... Uh, that it's just he's got that X factor. He's got that it. You know, I know he doesn't necessarily fight like Naz, but Naz always had the X factor. You know, yeah. whether you loved him or you hated him, everyone tuned in for Naz. And McCann's got that. You know, he's four, five, six fights in. I'm not. I'm not 100 sure, but you know, I think he's, that was he's, his sixth. Yeah, he's Friday. very, very early in his career, and everybody's talking about him because that's the way they were with Naz because he's got that X factor. And I, I really think Dennis McCann's got big things in him. Yeah. Well, the the only question for him now is. What do you do with him? Do you go just go and feed him to the lions and see what he's got? Because he's so young and he's so only six and all. Do you throw him in with a an Andrew Shelby if he comes back or someone like that and see where he's at? And if he loses, it doesn't really matter. Um, or do you just steadily build him up? You, you could go either way. You've got so much time on your hands. It. I think it's one of them that you leave it to the fighter, what he fancies, really. Yeah, I agree. I think Big Frank's the man for that because he's he's built so many stars over the years. You know, obviously built Naz, Calzaghi, Hatton. I think that he's the man to to nurture this career up. And, you know, I think that he is in the right hands. I'm not sure. The only fight that I would shout out is Sean Kent. I was ringside when he uh, when he won his uh, he won his, uh, his central area title. And I think yeah. that's that's the sort of level you can put McCann in next, you know, looking for that area title. It's a nice trinket to have. Um, that's the only kind of shout out that I'd have in terms of matching Dennis McCann. Yeah, he, he, yeah, Frank's got a difficult job, but like you said, he's he is the best in the business at that. He's done it so exactly. many times. And Eddie Hearn, people will disagree. And Eddie yeah, Hearn's exactly. the man right so now. He we'll is, move on but, now. Yeah. Sorry. Obviously, it is week four. 
And uh, we have Matchroom's Fight Camp is back, and this time it's the pay-per-view. Firstly, what do you reckon to it being a, a pay-per-view, Bobby? Um, one of them up to be, I suppose. Um, I think we've been given four very entertaining, brilliant cards. And I, I don't look at this one as you're paying for the Dillian White fight. I think you're paying for Fight Camp. Um, I, I think that's a positive spin. A lot of people disagree with that. But um, if you're paying Povetkin and you're paying Dillian White and you're paying Pursuit and Katie Taylor, big, big names with no, with no crowd, pay-per-view is the only option. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, I think it's, it's a hard sell to say Povetkin... Uh, Povetkin, White and Taylor pursued as a £20 pay-per-view. But if you look at it that we've had, you know, Gil Bellotti, uh, we've had Cheeseman Eggington, we've had Tasha Jonas versus Terry Harper, you've got to look at it on the bigger picture. And yeah, to pay for the, you know, the event of Fight Camp, I think it's a, I think it's fair enough. And I know that's not a popular stance, but you have to have, and I know we don't like talking about business, we like talking about fights, but from a business kind of perspective, you have to have some kind of money generation because Eddie must have been running at a loss for these shows up until this one. Yeah, well, I agree. And like I said, most people will disagree that. But for me, you are, you are paying for the whole fight camp. If if Eddie Hearn said prior to fight camp starting, fight camp week one, right, you're going to have these five shows and you're going to pay £20 for them before any of them start. I don't think anyone had about an eyelid. But because people are having the perception that you're paying £20 for, like you said, Dillian White, Povetkin, Katie Taylor Pursuit, it, it isn't value for money. Them two fights alone. But if you're taking in like he's one, he must be, like you said, running at a loss over the last four weeks. We've had some unbelievable fights. It, it is what it is for me. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think it's, you've got to view it as as that kind of you're paying for the broader spectrum. And uh, if if you had to have paid it at the beginning to watch any of these, everybody would have paid it and not batted an eyelid. I think. But anyway, exactly. we'll move into the move into the card. We've got we've actually got um, three, four, five. We've got some more, more cards, uh, more fights on this card. So we're starting with Alan Babich, who I've uh, who's just kind of burst on the scene this week uh, versus Sean Dell Winters. Is opening that up. I don't know much about uh, either men other than Shondell Winters got stopped by Joseph Parker last time out. You've literally said the only thing I know about either of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. I think Babich has been sparring with um, with White this time. And uh, I've just watched an interview. Just before we started, I watched an interview with him. And uh, he seems like a bit of one of them, uh, the kind of Eastern European killers, you know, like a uh, Hergovic type. He seems like the real deal. But uh, I'm sure we'll find out on uh, on Saturday. Yeah, well, he, I know he's only, he's only had a. Is it two fights? Is it how many fights? He's not had a lot, has he? Three, I think. And for him to jump in with Sean Dow Winters, who's been in with some good fighters, and he's obviously backed himself. He must have something about him. Exactly, it's a good acid test. You know, I'm, I, again, I don't want to speak because I don't know, but you know, often these Europeans come in with fantastic amateur backgrounds, and that's why they can kind of jump in. But you know, I think we'll see on Saturday. Uh, we move on to Jack Cullen versus Zach uh, Chile. Chile, Chile. I'm really, I'm sorry, I'm awful with pronunciations. <laughs> Bloody Northerners, mate. Um, yeah, but that's that's. I think that's another good fight up at super middleweight this time. I think it's uh, Jack Cullen moving up. I think it's a, a good fight. I think it should be exciting. Yeah, I agree. It's a tough one to call, really. Um, they're both... Uh, both decent fighters. Both I, I like the look of them both. None of them are world beaters right now. But they've both got a lot of potential. They're both relatively young. I think Chile's only, what, 21 or something? 
and Jack Cullen can't be much older than that. Um, yeah, it's we'll see where they're both at. Basically, Ex- it's one of them fights. It's, I agree. 50-50 kind of, you know, English title level, British level, you know, kind of fringe British level. I think that, you know, it's a great acid test for who's going to look for titles at super middleweight. You know, Lerone Richards, Do- John Doherty, who's going to put themselves in that mix, I think. And uh, especially if Jack Cullen can uh, can really get a statement, I think that he'll put himself himself right up there. So then we move to the kind of the three big ones, I'm sure, that will dominate, you know, the majority of our interest. And the first one of those is Luther Clay versus uh, Chris Congo. Uh, much talked about, uh, many times made, I believe. It's been, I think this is the third or fourth time it's been made. Um, but yeah, a great welterweight clash. Yeah, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to this. This could be a fight of the night. Um, two very good fighters. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm leaning towards Clay, to be honest. I've heard a lot of people leaning towards Clay, and I, I get it. He is he's the more proven boxer, but every time I think about this fight, I just I've only seen a couple of Chris Congo's fights, but every time he's been thoroughly impressive. You know, he's got big power, he's got he's technically very good. You know, everybody out of that kind of that white stable says he's very, very good. You know, the likes of well, obviously I know White's uh, split with Tibbs now. I'm sure we'll touch on that, but. Mark Tibbs had good things to say about Chris Congo. You know, I think it's, uh, I think he he's, he might be a, a bit of a sleeper on this one, and you know, upset the apple cart, so to say. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it, it could go either way. It's, you, you're just having a guess, aren't you? Really, think uh, try to get the guess the winner, but um, there's, there's the element of would White throw him in if he if he didn't believe that he's going to win that fight and win that fight comfortably. Does he throw him in on a pay-per-view card, third from the top of the bill, in a massive event? I, I, I don't, I don't know if he would. No, I agree, and I think you have to look back to uh, Fight Camp Week One, and you know everybody said, "Oh, Valili's got a good amateur background, Commonwealth gold medal, you don't give them out," and uh, and Fabio Wardley blasted him away, you know. So, and Dylan White threw him in that fight, and you know the White Management Company said, you know, Wardley's the real deal, and he proved that he was at least at English level. So I think I think there's an element of that about Chris Congo as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, you, you sort of changed my mind there. Who <laughs> I think's going to win, but it's just one of them, and it's fifty-fifty. I'll probably have each of them winning three times by the time we get to it. Don't be too convinced. Before week one, I had uh, I had Scott from Southwest Boxing Media uh, absolutely convinced that Sam Eggington was going to knock him out, and then he didn't. So <laughs> don't listen. Don't listen to me for too long. Um, right. So then we move into the co-main event, which for me is the main event. I think that you know all of the world titles, you know the accolades, probably Ireland's greatest ever sportsman, Katie Taylor, sports person. My apologies, Katie Taylor taking on Delphine Persoon, who there it's a rematch of probably the best women's fight of at least the last ten years. What a fantastic co-main or slash main event to uh, to headline this show. Yeah, I'd agree. Brilliant fight. Um, one I thought she lost first time round. I think that's pretty much the general consensus of that fight. Um, but yeah, I think Katie will have made the adjustments needed this time around. And, but, it's, yeah, it's just going to be a war again, isn't it? I hope. I can't see it going any other way. I actually scored it a draw on the night. I know, I know that's, again, that's such a cop-out answer. Uh, I think if anyone was going to get it, probably Taylor. I wasn't totally upset. You know, it was a close fight. But, obviously, it was the closest fight and the hardest fight of Katie Taylor's career to date. 
So again, it's it's one of those. It hopefully it will light up in the same in the same way. Obviously, there's a massive Irish contingent in at MSG. You never know how that the crowd factor is going to affect somebody like Taylor, who's always had a massive following. Um, but yeah, no, I think that. I think that we just have to appreciate how good women's boxing is at the moment, you know, and how in what a strong place it's in, you know, we're coming off the back of definitely women's fight of the year, if not in contention for fight of the year, generally with Tasha Jonas, Terry Harper, a fantastic advert for, for the women's side of the sport. You know what we should just be calling boxing now rather than women's boxing, because these are they're elite athletes and they're proving that they're, you know, that they deserve to be in with the men and even surpass them in, in some, uh, in some respects. And, yeah, so I think that this is a fantastic, you know, this is the icing on the cake for, for the women's game. And after this, we'll be calling it boxing because I think these two can only deliver. You know, they delivered the first time and with the eyes of the world on Eddie's back garden, I think they're going to deliver again. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and I think the only stigma that will be against women's boxing is until they give them three rounds again, uh, three minute rounds. Um, once that does or doesn't happen, I, I, what, what, what argument have you got? to have any disagreement so that it's just boxing they're, they're as good as the men it's not it's, it's no different you sit there watching the boxing and it's no different is it, it the often are better because the, the women seem to have a little bit more grit a little bit more fight when, when they get hurt they're like got a bit more pride than some of the men exactly I won't give you an argument to say that women should have two minute rounds but I'll give you a very impassioned one that they should have three minute rounds because I know you watch the UFC as do I you know yeah you watch Yoanny and Jacek and uh, and Zhang Wei Li knock seven bells out of each other for twenty five minutes, do five five minute rounds, fight like cat and dog, do absolutely you know push their bodies to the absolute limit in what is the UFC MMA fight of the year in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And then you're going to patronise an elite athlete like Katie Taylor and say no, you, well you know you're you're a little girl, you can't fight the same as the same as those girls over there. Absolutely not. Well, you've hit the nail on the head. It's patronising. That's all it is for me. They are elite athletes and they are elite sportsmen. You know, Katie Taylor's played for the Ireland women's football team, for God's sake. You know, you're going to tell her she can only play 70 minutes, not 90, because she's a woman. No. I know, yeah. It's it's madness. She's an athlete. Give them three-minute rounds. Eddie needs to make a stand. Eddie, Ludabella, uh, Al Heyman, Bob Arum, you all need to go to the governing bodies and say, look, this is a joke. These are elite athletes. Give them their dues because only when we get a coalition like that will it change because people like you know it's run by old stuffy suits you know the likes of Gilberto Mendoza WBA you know these are that old stuffy suits they're not making the right decisions we need a big push for equality in our sport I think with the end we're, we're a, a joke you know like say women's footballers don't play 70 minutes do they know they play 90 you know yeah, I, I think yeah. that women in boxing it's I know we're pioneering with the likes of Kate Taylor Tasha Jonas but in one way, we're pioneering, but then they're being patronised at the top level. I think it's disgusting. I, I 100% agree. But um, I think I think if Katie Taylor herself stood up and said, right, here's enough of this, then it would force Eddie Hearn to move. Um, the, uh, most most of the elite women have hinted at it. Clarissa Shields has hinted at it. Katie Taylor's hinted at it. But I think if them two, them two alone stood up and said to their promotions, we want three-minute rounds. This is just ridiculous now. I think it had happened within the year because they are so powerful in women's sport right now that the promoters have, have got to do as they say. 
I agree. I think that I don't think they're to blame, but you're right. They have no. I, I, yeah, that's it. what I mean. I don't. I don't think they're to blame because they pro- both sort of have asked for it. But like, I think if they, they stand up and say, right, enough's enough. Like you're patronising us now. Like you said, it, let's just get it done. And I think it'd happen. I, and I think I, I I do think it'll happen in the next year anyway. Personally. I think. I think that's a great shout. And like you say, I think Katie Taylor needs to, I know it's not her style, but I think that that should be the first thing out of her mouth if she wins on uh, on Saturday night. I think she should be, you know, basically demanding it because for all the reasons we've both, we've both talked about. But yeah, right, we'll move on. The heavyweights, the big boys, Dillian White versus Alexander Povetkin. Who have you got, Bobby? Um, White, just... It's a bold shout. I think it's a very, very... I think everybody's got this closer than when it was initially announced. I, don't, I certainly have. Yeah. I think it's... Uh, obviously, this is for the WBC... Uh, I'm doing air quotes. Diamond flipping gold bollocks belt. I don't know. It's just... Yeah, it's, it's for the, the kind of... the yeah. dumb, Some dumb trinkets from the WBC and the WBA. But no, we all know what it is. It's a top heavyweight contender fight. Dillian White's been knocking on the door for nearly two years now and... Povetkin's that perennial contender coming off his uh, his draw with Hunter. So, yeah, how do you see the fight from a technical perspective first? Um, I see, I see them both try to get in close. I, 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 this is another one. I don't see how it can be a bad fight because um, they both love to get in close and land left up. But we've never really seen why in with someone of his own height, really. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. Like, will he will he take a back step? Will he try to be the jabber against someone similar similar stature to him? I'm not too sure, but um, I just see left hook landing and someone sleeping, and whichever way that goes, I can't be certain. I just I've ripped Dillian White off too many times to write him off again. I thought Brown might have beat him. I thought Parker was going to beat him. I've give every everyone. Uh, Rivas, I thought was going to beat him. I've given everyone the the props against Dillian White, and I'm gonna I'm gonna back him this time and say he's gonna get he's, he he just finds a way to win now. You sound like me with Josh Warrington, exactly the same. You know, now you've kind of a hater to a fan. I, I hate to use that word, but it's exactly the same. I agree, Dillian White. You know, ever since that AJ loss, everyone's going ah, next one will get found out. Next one will get found out, and he just hasn't. He just hasn't. He's just continued to plough through. And I think, I agree, it's Dillian's fight to lose. He looks in immense shape, and I think that that might be, uh, might, might be what tells. Yeah, but, the only issue for me is that he's dragged Caldwell in last minute into yeah. his corner and dropped Tibbs. I don't know. I, I don't see how that is a good, a good thing for him. I genuinely don't. He's one of the, he's one of the most knowledgeable, nice men in boxing. I... I I just don't see how, why it's happened. Genuinely, I don't know why why it's happened at all. Yeah, we covered me and Luke covered this when it happened, and I, I'm, I'm of the same mind now. I don't understand. Mark Tibbs is, you know, him and his dad are like, especially his dad is London boxing Mount Rushmore, first ballot, first yeah. name up there, Jimmy Tibbs, legend of the game. And Mark is equally a boxing man through and through, as honest and as nice a guy as you'll find, and extremely knowledgeable about boxing. But I could equally say exactly the same about Dave Caldwell. And I know he's been brought in last minute, but at the same time, every, every compliment I can pay to Mark Tibbs, I can pay in equal measures to Dave Caldwell. So I actually, I'm going to disagree and I'm going to say it's a good idea because you need a cool head. 
And Caldwell's proved time and time again he's a cool head. And that can't make up for a missed training camp. But I think in the heat of battle, it might be a good idea. That, that quiet word in the ear might have been the right thing. But you, again, you never, yeah, know. You I, never I, know. I agree to I agree to a point of that. But my only issue is is has he seen every angle of Dillian White? Does he know Dillian White? Like if Dillian White gets caught against Povetkin, the calm head might not work. You might need to give him a kick up the arse. You, 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 it's hard to know how somebody works without knowing them. Um, I know Dillian White and um, Bell, you had the back and forth, became friends in the end. Maybe they know each other through through that, but if he doesn't know him, know him, to, to get thrown in with three days notice against a very dangerous man. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how it works. I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. You've talked me around. I think that I, I, as much as I like, I'd say I like both of them. I like all three of them. White, Coldwell, uh, I agree, teams, yeah, but same. I think you're right. I think it's probably too little, too late. But at the same time, I want to. Do, I do want to talk about Alexander Povetkin because when is Father Time going to catch up with that man? Is he on drugs or is he not? Because he's what nearly 41 years of age and he looks ever more dangerous. You know that he had that, that amazing stoppage against Price and he had you know a good fight against Hunter. I thought he was out in the first couple of rounds, but pulled it back and got a draw. Um, yeah, when when is Father Time going to catch up with Alexander Povetkin? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, um, I'm <laughs> in the same. Um, and he, he seems to be looking better. The the Huey Fury performance was was outstanding. Um, the David Price one, as you said, was brilliant. Hunter was a, a massive favourite. Hunter was probably a bigger favourite for that than Dillian White is now. Um, going into that because a hunter had just come off the back of a ma- of a good win. Um, I can't remember who he fought, but he looked outstanding, didn't he? Was it? I, I, I really Kuzman? rate. Him. Was it Kuzmin? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he just he just just battered him. Um, Bacoli too. Yeah, yeah. Bacoli, Maldonado. He's fought. He's fought quite a few good good fighters, but going into that, everyone was like, "Povetkin's done." Before it, and then he obviously got the draw. Whether people disagree, agree with it, um, it was a close. It was a close fight. I, I, I thought Hunter just about did enough. People can disagree, but I'd, um, yeah, it, it's another one that's difficult to write off because, like you said, it just five times just doesn't catch up with him, and he's he can hit hard if he lands. It, it doesn't matter who's in front of him. I agree. He's a, he's a big unit. He knows how to punch. He's got an underrated uh, amateur pedigree. You know, he, he knows how to throw punches and throw them correctly. Uh, I think that that might be the tell. But my only qualm about this fight, and stylistically on Povetkin, is watching. I watched the Price fight today. Okay, and I remember oh, Price yeah. hurting him, but obviously with the with the mad stoppage, I, that wasn't my abiding memory of the fight. But that left hook that. White catches him with, literally nearly knocks him out. Had the ropes not caught him, had he caught him in the centre of the ring, he would have been flat on his back there. He was, and David Price is, yes, a big puncher, but not technically as good maybe as Dillian White. I don't know. But you wouldn't rank them in the same class, would you? And no. Dillian White has a wicked left hook, as a mean left hook, vicious, nasty intentioned left hook. You know, we saw it against Chisora. Brown, he knocked Joseph Parker but down with it. It's the, it's the two best left ducks in heavyweight boxing right now, going head to head, in my opinion. Uh, I would agree with that. You know, again, Pricey, Pricey landed a beauty on uh, on Povetkin. Yeah. But yeah, no, I agree. I think it's the two best left ducks, but 
we've seen one person be susceptible to a left hook and the other one not. Okay, so Povetkin got tagged really badly with a left hook against uh, against uh, Klitschko, and he also got tagged with a big left hook against Price. And we've never really seen White hurt. You know, obviously it's a massive right hand uppercut that Joshua finished him with. And I'm not saying yeah. he's, I'm not saying he can't be hit with a left hook, but we've seen one guy really get rocked with that left hook. And I would personally rate Dillian White's left hook stronger than David Price's. So is that the little kind of chink in the armour that White is going to try and force his knife into, you know, that big left hook, try and exchange. You know, Angelo Dundee would always say, don't hook with a hooker, but what happens when they're both hookers? Um, well, that's it, yeah. I think it's, a, I think it's a, a very, very interesting kind of technical point as to whether or not they're just going to both go for that, straight away go for the guns. Uh, I think the fans win if that's what happens. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I think Dillian White should, let, should give himself two, three rounds to work him out. It's not his style. I know it's not. But I think why it would be better to to get himself into the fight and get himself into the rhythm rather than going gungo because he's very dangerous early. Um Prevetkin. And he's 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 just he's just he's a very good fighter. Um Dillian White's a very good fighter. It's I I think it's whoever controls the fight. Whoever, because we're saying that it's it's whoever lands the left hook, but whoever controls the fight gets into the position to land the left hook. So Dillian White can't afford to let himself get pushed back. He needs to stand his ground, and he might take a few doing that. But Dillian White, I don't, I don't think other than Hunter, maybe neither, neither of them have fought anyone of a, of a similar height, have they? So. Um- Joseph Parker is the only one that's, I'm not oh, sure, yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but Parker, but at the same time, Parker really hurt White and, you know, nearly had him going. If that's a 15-round well, fight. Exactly. And also, Chisora's pretty small heavyweight and he had, he and White had nightmares with him. So he, do, he, he doesn't like fighters pressing him and getting in close with him. So I think he needs to establish his jab early and I think he needs to keep Povetkin at a distance and fight a different fight to what White would normally fight and eventually land the left hook. But I don't think he should go in there and try and brawl with him because Chisora won. It never worked. He got the win, but it didn't work for me. Parker, rounds 10, 11, 12, he, he, he was struggling. Chisora, two for the first seven rounds. Povetkin is a better brawler than them, in my opinion. So I don't think it's Dillian White's best advice to go in there and say, right, let's have a straightener. I think he should jab his way into the fight first, slow the older man down, and then start landing and finding his hooks. I think body snatches in his name. I think he should he should jab, body shots, jab, body shots. First three or four rounds might be boring for us, and then go for the killer instinct five, six, seven, and on. I think that would be his best bet. I think that's a very, very sensible way to approach this fight for Dylan White. I think there's a lot to learn from the AJ performance. You know, AJ was very measured, bullied him physically. You know, made made his his physical attributes count. You know, the jab, the leaning in on him, not letting him get his little explosions off. You know, yeah. kind of s- slowing him down, tying him up. You know, the Klitschko game because Klitschko did it to him as well. You know, just like I am not going to play your game. We're not playing Alexander Povetkin. We're playing Vladimir Klitschko. We're playing Joshua. And I think yeah. White's got to do the same. You know, got to impose his physicality, but not get not do that in a trading situation. You know, yeah. And he's you, got a very underrated jab, White. 
I totally agree. Use that jab, that underrated jab, and then if Povetkin gets inside, lean on him. Grab hold of him. Don't let him get his work off because that's what Huey Fury didn't do. Huey Fury had every opportunity. When he was out of range, Huey Fury landed a good jab on him. But as soon as he got in, he let Povetkin hit him. You know, White's yeah. got to get in, put the shoulder in, manhandle him, use what is an impressive physique. You know, he's big lad, White, and he can muscle you around. If you give it a go, you know, the likes of Klitschko and AJ have done it to him. And I think that that is, that is they're the only two that have that have really convincingly beat him. And I think that that's, that's it. You know, that's the game plan. You know what it should, what you have to do. It's exactly what you described. It's using that patience, becoming slightly different to your kind of, you know, yeah, body snatcher, you know, like I'm going to go for it, howl in, kill it, go to kill him, move away from that and be, be a champion rather than a, a fan favorite. I think. For yeah, and, and, and to con- contradict my earlier point, there's a massive reason why Dave Caldwell might work. Yeah, absolutely. To keep him a cool head, tell him what to do. You know, I, again, I think that there's, I don't think, I don't think, I think getting rid of Mark Tibbs is a bad idea, but I don't think getting in someone like Dave Caldwell can be a bad idea. It might no, I, be. I don't think it's a bad idea. I just think it was a little bit late. I totally yeah, agree. Knowing boxing isn't important, isn't as important for me as knowing the fighter. Yeah. When you're in a corner, just but personal. The, uh, yeah, no, I think I think it's a very good point, but I think that there's there's a difference between I don't think it will hinder him. I think it will it might be ineffective, but it's there's a difference between ineffective and not being able to help and being bad. It's not yeah, bad yeah, for Dylan White to have Caldwell in there, but it might not work. It's a bit of a gamble. Um, but yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Anyway, well, thank you very much for coming on, Bobby. We're uh, we're running out of time here now, but um, it's a fantastic fight card. I think we're all looking forward to it. I hope uh, I hope everyone's enjoyed this episode. I hope you've enjoyed your, your Let's Talk Boxing debut, Bobby. Yeah, it's been brilliant, mate. I uh, didn't know what to expect, to be honest, but yeah, I've enjoyed it. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Right, well, everyone, tune in. Uh, enjoy the fights. Uh, we'll see you next week. Um, and yeah, have a lovely weekend, everyone. Bye-bye.